0: His ethics teaches us how to be righteous, teaches us how to be good people. Amen? How many of y'all want to be good people? Okay. And then the third level is theology. And this, this book teaches us how to fear God and have a relationship with God. Amen? And that's the highest level of wisdom is to walk with Jesus Christ. So that's what we're looking at. Verse 17 again, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man, And he that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. So, this teaches us that you can have wrong pursuits in life. I can have the wrong pursuits in life, the pursuits of pleasure. Amen. Now, there's some people that are always looking for the next party. Right? How many of you know that that kind of lifestyle costs money? Pleasure costs money. It does. So if you're always in pursuit of pleasure, you know, the next party or whatever, the Bible says you're going to end up poor. So because the Bible's telling you this is the wrong road to take in life. It's not a life that you're always looking for a pleasure, you know, wine and all, just looking for Okay, are you with me here? And I think God wants to bless your life and he wants you to enjoy life, but human nature is where we go we go to extremes. Amen. Amen. How many y'all with me here? All right. So we can end up real poor, real quick, in the poorhouse. You think about some of these people; they've got big contracts in athletics, million, multi-million dollar contracts, and as soon as they stop playing, they go bankrupt. You know why? Because their whole pursuit in life was about parties and pleasure. That's right. They end up poor. If you're that kind of person, we have examples, you're the kind of person that's always looking for pleasures, always trying to find the next party in life or whatever. Or you are, as the Bible says, a person who seeks wine and oil, which means luxury items all the time. Very easy not only to spend too much money on partying and pleasure, it's also very easy to spend too much money on luxury items. Amen? You with me here? Okay, so you'll end up poor if we do that. So we've got to watch it. got to be very careful, don't we? Because it says we will not be rich. Okay, verse 18. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. At some point, the tables are going to be turned. Sometimes the righteous pay a price at the hand of the wicked. But God is telling you there's a time when the tables are going to be turned. Amen? And it will be the wicked that pay the price, not the righteous. So it's important to be faithful. There's a long time ago. It's been a long time since I read this message. But R.G. Lee, a great preacher, preached a message called Payday Someday. Okay, So maybe you won't go online and look that message up. It was was an amazing message that he preached. Amen? So Payday Someday, it's coming. So if you're a wicked person right now, you might look like you're on top. Might look like everything's going your way and you're having a great time in life. But God says that He is watching sovereignly over the wicked. That means He's in control. His power. He's in control of what's happening. And at some point, instead of the righteous paying, it's going to be the wicked that's going to pay. The tables are going to turn. There's going to be a payday someday. Amen. Say praise the Lord. All right. I believe that. Amen. Go with me here. Payday someday goes with that verse that I read before. The Bible talks about in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Say with me: lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Okay. So just keep that in mind. We have to keep it in mind. Eventually, someday, tables are going to be turned. The sovereignty of God is going to make sure and they're going to reap what they're sowing. Verse 19. Now we deal with another verse that deals with the home life. And I know y'all love these. It is better, say better, to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. It always gets so quiet. (laughs) Amen? So whatever you do, don't marry the wrong mate. You marry the wrong mate, you'd be better off living out in the wilderness somewhere. But if somebody always wants to fuss and fight all the time, always contentious, an angry person all the time, that takes away your comfort. Amen? So make sure when you marry, you marry the right person. Now I want to show you a New Testament example of a couple of women in Philippians that they not only affected their home they affected the church okay Philippians chapter 4 please turn there hallelujah now we don't we don't have any women like this here in the church contentious angry wilderness chasing women here do we Praise the Lord. Thank God. Now, one woman can mess up a house. Right? Two women can mess up a church. A whole church. And so the Bible tells us in uh, Philippians chapter 4, while you turn there. Okay, about a couple of women, they were contentious, always fussing and fighting all the time always disagreeing all the time, okay? And uh, Philippians, Philippians, the church of Philippi was about as perfect a church as you could find. When you study. they didn't have a lot of theological problems. They didn't have a lot of other problems like some of the other churches had. Galatians had and Corinthians had so on and so forth. This church, as far as being a church, was about as perfect as you can find. Amen? But there was one problem and there was two women in that church and they were always causing trouble with each other. Right. Philippians chapter 1, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Say, Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And then he says, I beseech you, odius Now, her name was probably Eudeus, U- but I call her odious because she was odious. I beseech odious, judious, and I beseech centique, say centique, and odious. What is he beseeching them? That they be of the same mind in the Lord. Say in the Lord. Now I want you to notice something. There's a bookmarker here. It's the Lord. The Lord books, bookmarks bookmarks these two people. Okay, before they're named and after their name, you have the Lord. So he is the answer to this problem that was going on in the church. Now Odius or Eudius and Sintiki were constantly bickering, fussing, and fighting. They were always in a disagreement. And as a result of that, they were creating problems within the church there in Philippi. And so that's why the Apostle Paul has to exhort them, amen, to be of the same mind. Stop fussing, stop fighting. Stop being in a disagreement all the time, amen, because you are affecting the body of Christ. And the answer is the Lord, bookmark, Bookmark is get the Lord in your life where the Lord is supposed to be in your life. And when you do, you will stop having so much disagreement between you. Now, I wonder if Odeus, odious and Sintiki, right? I wonder if they ever made up. I wonder if when we get to heaven, if we walk up there and we say, Hey, where's Odeus? And She says, I'm over here. Sintiki. we where's Sintiki. I'm over here. Hey, did you guys ever make up? I just wonder if they ever made up. I pray that they did. Because this shows you what two people, two women, when they're not where they're supposed to be in the Lord, and they're constantly bickering and fussing and fighting and disagreement, they can affect a whole body, a whole church, even as perfect as the church of Philippi was. Amen. Well, let, let's go on. I know y'all don't want to hear no more about that. But So anyway, that verse tells you why men leave home. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that they should leave home, and it doesn't mean that we condone them leaving home. But this Bible simply tells us, or this verse simply tells us why some men leave home they can't stand it anymore. You all okay? Now remember, this is a general statement about wisdom. Same thing goes for loud obnoxious men. That's why some women leave home. They can't take it anymore. It go, you know what I'm saying? This applies both ways, a general principle. Amen. So, hallelujah. Now, I'm not condoning it, not saying you should, but this is the reason. Because there's just too much tension, too much fussing, too much fighting, too much pressure. Still, the comfort that's in the home. You can have a lot of money in the bank and a big house, but if you have that going on in the house, there's no comfort. Okay? Let's go to verse 20. I told you, every one of these verses are a message in and of themselves, so we're not going to preach every one of them until it's going to hit the highlights. Verse 20, there is a treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. You with me? Let's read that again. There is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. So... This proverb is simply telling you that you can spend everything that you've got. If we spend everything that we have, you know what the Bible calls us? Foolish. It's the foolish person that spends everything that they have. Right? It's the wise person that saves. You say, well, that's just the time we live in. No, it's not just the times we're living in. Amen? If we're spending everything that we have and we don't have anything in savings, there's a problem not with the times we're living. There's a problem with us managing money. Let me say this to you, brothers and sisters. We've talked to this before. We don't, have a, we don't have a financial problem. I'm going to tell you, nobody in this church tonight has a financial problem. Not one person here has a financial problem. You know what we have? We have a wisdom problem. Amen? Now, there's been things that i bought. You know, I look back and say, man, you, you could have done without that. You'd have to buy that. Spit that money, right? No, man, we're all, I'm wearing shoes too, just like you. And, and so I can look at my life and I can say, I, can, man, I could have managed money better than I've managed money. I, as an individual, I'm going to say that I should have more money in savings right now than I do. Amen? But I bought this, and I bought that, and I bought this, and I bought that. And just and I look at it and go, why not buy that? Amen? So at times, all of us fall into this category of being foolish because we're spending every dime we make. We should be wise stewards. We should be saving money. Now, I've told you before we went to the book, through the book of Proverbs, this was years ago. I told you years ago that you, we should try to be setting 10% aside of every check that we have into a savings account. Because you're going to eventually, you're going to need it. And if you, have a, if you have a savings account right now, and you're saving, you say you made that covenant, I'm going to save 10% of my income from this day forward. Don't touch it. Because the savings is there for you for emergency times. And the emergency times are going to come. Because there's going to be times. There's seasons. Even in the Lord, brothers and sisters, there's seasons. Even in the Lord. Seasons of abundance. Right? And, and then there's seasons where you will have need. Even in the Lord, man. In the Lord, it's not always like this. Praise the Lord. Thank God for the times it's like this. But sometimes, man, it's not always like that. Right? Even Paul talked about that. He said, I learned to be content whatever state I'm in. If I have abundance, I'm content. If I don't have abundance, Paul says, I'm content. What that tells me is there are times that Paul was in abundance, but there were times when Paul wasn't in abundance and he learned how to be content. So you eventually, everybody here, will eventually need money in the savings account. Because it's not always going to be like that. You're going to have a need. Now what's going to happen if you spend every dime that you make and you don't have any savings, you're going to have need. And you'll be able to take care of the need. So the Bible's telling us that we are foolish with our money if we spend everything we got. See, the disease that we have, and I say we, is the disease called thinking that we can spend our way into prosperity. Nobody ever spends their way into prosperity. You will never spend your way into wealth. Never. Millionaires, most millionaires are very frugal with their money. Very frugal. That's why they have money, because they know how to save. They know how to manage. Are you with me? You know most, uh, most millionaires don't drive a new car. Most millionaires drive cash drive cash cars. You know? But here we are. we're trying to be right? So we, we don't just have one car payment, we got two. And then we got a house payment. And then on top of that, we got credit card payments with high interest rates. Amen? But most millionaires, they don't live like that. That's why they're millionaires. Because they've learned to save. They've learned to invest their money. Now, so if you're a wise individual today, and if you're not doing this, that's why we need the book of Proverbs to teach us. If we're not doing this, we need to start saving our money. And when you save it, you don't say, well, we got some money in savings. and Ah, let's go splurge. Let's go eat out we got it in savings no savings are not for spurges savings are only to be used in times of emergency and only in times of emergency amen okay so you need we need to start saving more at least 10 percent of your income should go into savings when you save you know what you're doing you're paying yourself You take every dime that you make and you spend it, you know what you're doing? You're paying everybody else but yourself. So when you save money, you're actually, every dime you put in that bank, you're paying yourself. If you start looking at it like that, I paid myself today. I put $10 in the savings account. That's your $10. Nobody else's. Right? So as the Bible was teaching us right here, it's the wise man that saves but it's the foolish man that spends every dime they make. Amen? Let us learn from the Word of God. God, God's Word is true, brothers and sisters. Amen? Saving. Okay, so first of all, let me just real quickly talk to you. You need a checking account, first of all. You say, well, that's so basic. Of course it is. But you need a checking account. Do not get your check... Go run down to the cash, um, I mean, the check cashing place and spend money every time you get paid to get that check cashed. Two reasons. Number one, it's going to cost you more to go to the check cashing place to get your check cash than it would be for you to have a checking account. Number two, whenever you put money in a checking account, you know how easy it is for money to fly out the hand if you got cash? It'll fly out of the hand really fast if you've got cash. But if you have a checking account, it won't fly out quite as fast as if you had the cash in the pocket. Amen? So that's the first thing if you want to, um, to start somewhere is to have a checking account. And that way, you make the deposit into that account, you pay a certain fee, and in some banks, if you have a certain minimum balance, they won't even charge you for it. They say, if you keep $2,000 in the account, we won't even charge you for it. So there's some things you can do, set up, you don't even get charged for the the account. Amen? amen. So you go, if you don't have a checking account tonight, and I don't know who that is, and probably everybody here's got a checking account, But if you don't have a checking account, you need to go, number one, get your checking account. Okay? It'll help you from spending the money so quick. It'll help you save it. And, Amen. Eventually, if you go and get somebody else, you pay for them to cash it, it's going to cost you more anyway. That is not wise. Right? Okay. Say Amen. Next thing is you need a savings account. Open you up a formal savings account, not a piggy bank in the closet. A formal saving account. And and tonight, tonight, if you haven't done it before, tonight, they say, Well, I got bills pastor, I got credit card debt. I don't care. You say, Well, I'm trying to pay all that off first. I don't care. The first thing you need to do after you have a checking account is you set up, open a savings account, and you begin to save money. Try to save 10% of your income. If you can't do that right now, you just save something. I don't care how much debt you have, you have to have a savings. with me here? Okay. Everybody say savings account. That's wise. Y'all with me here? Checking account, (coughs) savings account. Uh, we're not going to get into CDs. We're not going to get into all of those long-term uh, deposits and all of that because really what we need, first of all, just the basics. Checking account and a savings account. And manage that. Then you'll have a record, right, of where your money's going. Now, when it comes to credit cards, credit cards are thieves. They're robbers. So, credit card, are you all here? I know y'all want to hear me I'm an expert financial counselor so but I'm just gonna give you a little bit about what I know I'm not the greatest you know I'm not Ramsey or any money or whatever his name is but credit cards are not meant to carry a balance ever never you never carry a balance on a credit card beyond 30 days credit cards are are to be paid in that 30 day or 30-day time frame, whatever it is, okay, that's it. You accumulate the credit card balance and at the end of 30 days, you pay that thing off. If you can't pay that credit off, credit card off in that 30-day period and you carry a balance over into the next month, you cut the card up and throw it in the trash. Because credit cards are not made they're not, if you want to be wise. Now, they're made to carry balance as far as the bank. They'll make money off you all day long, and they'll be happy. But if you want to save money, you never allow a a balance to be carried over into the next month on your credit card. Okay? Use it. You can get a credit card. Use it wisely. Pay it off every cycle so you never have to pay interest on it. Everybody here with me here? Okay? Now, so it's extremely, then it's extremely unwise for you to go out and get a credit card that's got a limit of $25,000. You go, look, Ma, I just opened up an account. They gave me a $25,000 credit line. Yeehaw! Well, guess what? You have to pay it back. You know, somebody constantly calling me on the telephone all I mean constantly all the time that's not that is a true statement all the time this woman calling me on the telephone I haven't talked to her personally but she says I want to give you a 250,000 dollar credit line now we got good credit our score is over 800 my wife and I our score is over 800 so we have excellent credit all right this woman called me and said, I want to give you a $250,000 credit line. I could go, "Woo! I have arrived. I've got a quarter of a million dollar credit line. Oh, wow, okay, so go out and have a big time, right? Buy all kinds of stuff, run up the credit card. But you, you've got to pay it back. Okay? So I haven't even returned her call. Because I don't want her $250,000 credit line. Credit cards then. Do not get, unless you are able to manage, and only a period of time you can test yourself if you're disciplined enough or not. Now, if you can handle a fifteen dollars or $25,000 credit line on a credit card, you can handle it, and you never let it carry over to the next month, you always pay the balance off every month, then that's fine. But most people can't do that. So what you want to do then, there's nothing wrong with having a credit card as long as MasterCard doesn't become your master. Nothing wrong with having a credit card as... as, Okay, you with me? If you pay the balance off, use it, keep records, but start with a low credit balance, a, a low credit line of $250. Because most people can handle a credit line of $250. Most people can, you know, put the limit, $250. Most people can pay off $250 credit line in a month's time. You with me? That's why people go, well, I'll give you a $20,000 credit line. Say, no, I don't want a $20,000 credit line. I want $250 credit line. Because I plan on paying this off every month, and I don't need that. Large credit line. Because the higher credit line they give you, the limit on the card, you'll say, well, you can max your card out. Well, you max that card out. Then you get another card. and you max that card out. And you get another. You max that card out. Okay? So then you're paying all these interest rates and you've got multiple credit cards going on. Credit cards are not supposed to be used to carry over into the next month. Okay? Amen. I know I know you know this, but it's hard right if I talk to you a little bit because you're not going to tell me we don't need this. I know better. (laughs) If you've got a credit card right now, you're carrying balances on it, call them up. Now, you're still going to have to pay for it. You're going to say, I want to cancel the card. I I don't want this card anymore. What's my balance? Close the card. Okay? And then tell them, I'm going to pay it off. And you pay it off. But see, you're not going to keep charging with that card. okay? You say, well, give me a little time, Pastor. I don't want to cut all my cards up yet. Give me a little time. We'll see if it works. What am I I saying? I'm saying you can close the card right now before you pay the debt off. And if you close the card off now, that means you won't charge anymore. You'll, You'll be paying on the card. okay? Checking account. Savings account. Low, low credit line credit cards, and never carry a debt on that card. Amen. Pay it off every thirty days. Keep your debt low. Right. Praise God. See, so God knows. God knows. Now <clears throat> there is treasure to be desired, and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. God knows. There is a difference between riches and wealth. Riches and wealth are not the same thing. Riches—how many of you know what riches are? How many of you know what wealth is? How many of you know what the difference is? Brother Timothy does because I told him. <laughs> okay, what, what is what are riches? Riches are what you purchase, okay, like high-end things, cars. Riches are depreciating items, and, and the thing about riches is you can see them with your eyes, right? So you go buy a high-end car, and you just, people see you driving it around, and they say, man, that person must be rich. No, they're just broke. but in a sense they are accurate when they say that person must be rich because what they're saying is we see a a physical thing that has been purchased. That's riches. And it is normally a depreciating item. That means that it decreases in value over a period of time. So the less riches you have, the better off you are. Because that means you have less depreciating items uh, that you have as an individual, amen, as a home, whatever, wealth is not riches. Wealth is what appreciates in value. Okay, so look, if you buy a car, and everybody that sells cars knows this is a reality, and everybody that bought cars knows this is a reality, as soon as you buy that car, it's going to depreciate at least 25% as soon as you drive it off the lot. So you buy a $10,000 car. It's worth about $7,500. As soon as you drive it off the lot. Minimum. Okay? So that means that's that's a rich. That's a riches. It's depreciated in value. Now, you go buy a house. A house. And you finance it for 15 years, not 40. 15 years. Then you will see a house, uh, Chris... Beckett told us a house doubles, doubles in value in about 10 years. Now, some of you haven't checked the market yet, but let's say you bought your house maybe five five years ago. I guarantee you, I don't, you know, especially if you set it up a fifteen year note, I guarantee you right now, you'd be shocked at how much you could get for your house in this market because it is a seller's market. Amen? You with me here? So, you can buy, you can have riches, things that you buy and accumulate, junk everywhere, right? That's depreciate, and you sell, you spend $50 for it, and you send it for, sell it for $10 in the garage sale. If you can do that. Probably not even $10. That's my valued collection. I can't believe you, you know. No, that's riches. But you buy a house, that's going to appreciate in value. It's an investment that's appreciating in value, and you, you can literally double, double what you paid for that house if you'll get in a house somewhere and you'll stay in it and finance it for fifteen to ten to fifteen years. And then now the, the payment's going to be high. It's going to be high, you know. My wife and I was it, times when we shot for ten year notes. We shot for it. We never did do it because the payment was just way out of reach. But 15 years is the max, okay? So, think about that. That's wealth. Because you took that money, instead of buying a bunch of material things that you can see with the eyes, you know, riches, you invested it in something that is appreciating in value, it's an investment that's going to create money for you. So wealth, then, is something that's growing in value, increasing in value. Do you want riches? Things that you buy that you can people can see? Or do you want wealth? Because most of the time, wealth can't be seen. You can't see it. Right? Now, wealth is also defined in how long can you live on the assets that you have right now as an individual. So you have assets and you have liabilities. Liabilities are what you owe. Assets is what belongs to you. You know how wealthy you are? How long can you live right now on the assets that you have? That's what determines wealth. Now if you can't live longer than the next paycheck, right? That's not good. But if you got a house, you did good there. If you're paying payments on that house and you own your house, You did good there. Because that's wealth. Hallelujah. So we have to start thinking like this along the lines of riches versus wealth. And I promise you, when you go and you look at something and say, okay, if I buy that, that's rich. Riches, that's going to make me feel good for maybe you know 30 minutes. But wealth is going to be something that accumulates over a period of time that's going to increase me in value. And when it gets time, I can live a long time on those assets so today if you were to just sit down you and your wife sit down and calculate how what your assets are and you could figure out how long you could live on that and that would tell you how wealthy you are right and pretty much obviously if you're gonna calculate your house's value I would say probably take what you paid for it and increase it by uh, maybe not double it but by maybe 50%. percent and see. Because that's probably where it is. It was about five or six years ago if you bought the house. Alright? So then that's money in your pocket. Now, so most of the time though, where we are as a people is that we're living right here in this verse, the last part, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Okay? So if we're doing that, if we're spending every dime we got, we're not saving anything. Then the Bible says we're foolish. Okay, so help us, help us to be wise. So, get a checking account, get a savings account, get a low balance credit card. Pay that credit card every month. Make a distinction between wealth and riches, and start living that way. Amen. Then I tell you, I tell you where a lot of the money goes. It goes to eating out, eating out. I told my wife a long time ago, I said, it's always cheaper to eat at home. Always cheaper to eat at home. So we go get a taco. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. My wife and I, we don't eat out very much at all. We don't. Maybe once or twice a week, that's it. Even if that. Now the only time we eat out is if we're, uh, you know, on vacation. But even then, we prepare our food in our in our uh, motorhome. We prepare our food there most of the time. But we do eat out more when we go on vacation, you know, because that's vacation. I mean, some of y'all like to go to the theme parks. We like to go to a restaurant. That's how we enjoy our vacation. But most of the time, Eat now it's what gets us. It's what gets us. Brother Dice used to tell me this. He said, You should only go out and eat, only on special occasions. Only on special occasions. Right? Anniversary, birthday, things like that. But other than that, no more. Okay, say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I know y'all say, Well, I got a busy life, Pastor. I have to get my food to eat out. No, you don't. I talk to guys all the whole time that are busy, man, and, and they are really focused on their health. And they'll prepare their food for a whole week. They'll have a grill. I, I tell you what, I bought a really good grill, and I have saved myself literally thousands of dollars with that grill, cooking my own food. Amen. So these guys I know, I know they're focused on their health like some of y'all are, and they prepare their meals for a whole week. They'll cook all their meat, all their chicken, all their rice, you know, if you're into that. (laughs) With me? It's prepared meals. And they'll take them to work and they'll eat them at work. And they get a good home-cooked meal and they don't spend that money. Right? I got a friend the other day, he walked up to me and said, man, he said, I can't believe it. He said, we had some friends and uh, said we went out to eat and with them and he said, we spent my whole family, this is him and his wife and some kids, he said, our whole family, we spent fifty dollars. He said, my my friend, he said they, they got uh, the food, they got desserts, they there was even a bar tab. Okay? And he said, That guy spent three hundred dollars. One one deal, dude. Sorry, I didn't mean to call you dude. One meal, three hundred. Smackaroos And my friend goes, Man, don't you know that's a house payment You know. So, amen. It just you can spend every dime you got and a lot of it's gonna be on food, or you can pull back. Now if you do go out, I mean we're we're <laughs> we hardly ever get anything to drink. You know what we get? We get good old water. Amen. And there's no telling how much money I have saved not buying teas and cokes and uh, you know and it took took me a while but I finally got my kids. My kids are 23 and 18. It took me a while. I mean, cuz I'd sit down at the table and they know my wishes. They they know my desires, you know, my if you want to be in the highest will of daddy you don't buy a Coke or anything like that to drink, but if you want the permissive, well, then you go ahead and go over and say and you order, and I'd sit down with them and they'd order, you know, Sprites or, and I'd just and I would well, i give them that look. You what you you ordered a drink, and I'd sit over there for about fifteen minutes just burning up. So eventually they finally got it and they they don't order drinks anymore. They get water. The drinks are the most important thing. Amen? I don't know. I don't personally know because I'm not in the business, but if I were guessing, I've heard this, if I were guessing, restaurants don't make money on food. They make money on drinks. That's where the money, and brother knows, he's, he's a manager. That's where they make the money. Okay? Hallelujah. See, now you don't like what I'm saying. I know you don't. I can tell by your expression. You're taking my Coke away. You're, you're taking my beer away. My wine. My whiskey. My bourbon. I'm just kidding, type land. None of these people do that. Amen. But that's the truth. All right, so... Just a, I could talk a long time and I don't want to waste waste a lot of your time, but I think some of these things are just basic that'll help you, all right? Amen. How, how many of y'all need some help? Yeah, man. I, I mean, it's going to be good. Some day's going to be good, man. You think, woo, it's always going to be like that, but it won't always be like that. Yes, it Amen. Things change so fast. Boy, you could be on the mountaintop one day and... Yeah, right? Everybody all right out there? Say praise the Lord. Okay. So be a saver. It's important to save. How many are going to start saving? That's good. And of course, the most important thing, the highest level of wisdom, is to always bring your tithes and offerings to the Lord. Always. Because the tithe belongs to God anyway, whether you bring it or not, whether I bring it or not, it still belongs to Him. And you can hold it, but you're robbing. And there won't be a blessing to come on your life. You cannot outgive God. Now, we'll get into that a little bit further down in the verses here because it talks about people who always want to get, but they never give. So be a giver. Be a giver. In the process of all that I've just said, be a giver. Those are just some basic things, and I hope it's helped you today. Hallelujah. I'm really. I'll be honest with you, I want you to pray for me. I'm really thinking about getting rid of my new truck. No, no, don't don't feel sorry for me. That's a that's a wise that might be a wise decision, you know, but I'm weighing it out. Because I got a car that's I got a Jeep that's paid off, and I got a, a white truck that's paid off, you know. The Jeep's got about seventy thousand miles on it, and if I get rid of my truck, you know what I'm saying, then I got a, a high mileage car. So I'm a little bit concerned. So I'm still weighing in the balance. And I know that, that I owe less. That truck's worth twice as much what I owe on it. Normally, I don't carry a balance on a car. I did in the past, but I try not to do that anymore. Okay? But I, had, but I did carry a balance on this truck, but I know I'm in good on it equity-wise. But I'm thinking about it, see? As I'm teaching you, I'm thinking about things I need to change. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, when it's good time, yeah, all right, you can afford it. But sometimes you start looking at a situation and things are changing. Don't wait till it breaks. Don't wait till everything falls apart and then try to fix it. Look at it before it comes, you know. Say, all right, I see something's changed here in our income. So we got to make some changes here. We're going to liquidate. We're going to liquidate. We're going to start selling everything. Amen? I have no problem doing that, man. When things start... She, she, and we're the, she's the same way. If things start changing, we have no problem. Man, we, we'll change just like this. We'll liquidate. Before it breaks, we'll liquidate. Don't wait till you can't pay the payment. And then try to do something about it. Look at it and say, Okay, you know what? I see there's a problem coming here. I got to liquidate right now. I got to get out from under this payment right now. I got to get me a cash car right now. Don't wait for it to break. See? A lot of times people wait for it to break, right? Do you know, brothers and sisters, if you don't take action, and you see things, something's about to break, and you don't take action. Let me just let you in on something. Of course, I know all you wise people know this, but do you know you're only making it harder on yourself if you just leave it alone? No, you you look at the situation and you take action. Because if you don't take action, it'll only make it worse. Oh, let me t- say it to you this way: avoiding the problem doesn't make it better. Look at your neighbor and help me preach. Avoiding the problem doesn't make it better. If I miss my car payment this month, right? Well, we just go, shh, don't, don't say nothing. You know. And then you miss it another month. Shh, don't say nothing. Don't make no phone calls to the bank. Don't say nothing to them. Avoiding it is not going to make it better. Before you ever get to that place, you should be in the process of having a plan and implementing the plan. Either liquidate or make plans with the bank. Tell them, I need to put that, that payment on the end of the note and I'll pay the interest so I don't get charged for being late. Is anybody with me here? Okay. So I don't know what it is about people they think they bury their head in the sand if that's the answer. Like an ostrich, you know. Avoiding the situation, the problem doesn't make it better. Stay on top of your finances. Say amen. Yeah. I, I, you, especially men, if you're women or women are taking care of the books, taking care of all that, paying bills, you as a man still need to know where everything is. I'm constantly asking my wife, where are we? How much do we have in savings? You know what I'm saying? And now I start saying, how much is left? <laughs> how much is left? How much is left? Are you here? Okay. She'll tell you, I've always do that, how much is left, right? Because you know, if it's increasing, you say, how much do we have in savings? If it's increasing. But if it's decreasing, you say, how much is left? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right? So as a man, you need to know. Don't let mama just know about it. You need to know. You need to know. Is that payment made? Was that payment made this month? Where are we financially? Yeah, it's been slow. We have less money right now. Okay, so again, next next, I'm going to go on, I promise you. Next thing, avoiding situations don't make it better. Yeah. You know who the worst worst people are in paying their bills? I'm I'm sorry to tell you, but the worst people on the planet when it comes to paying their bills are policemen, politicians, and pastors. <laughs> not this one I wouldn't have over 800 score but thank you Jesus thank you I give you the glory you know obviously he's the one see the Lord if you're, if you're rich tonight you should say this the Lord made me rich not men amen amen. but God gives you power to get wealth don't you walk around poor mouth yeah, feel sorry for yourself Always talking about how poor you are, don't have no money. No, God, God doesn't need no glory in that. Say, so, well, this must be the way God wants me. No, I can show you in the Word of God that God wants you to prosper. He gives you power to get what? Wealth. Amen? If you're in covenant of God, He'll bless you. Say praise the Lord, okay? Alright, amen. How many of y'all believe that God wants to wants to give you power to get wealth? Okay, done deal, finished. It's over, man. He wants to, praise the Lord. Okay. So again, say with me: avoiding the problem will never make it better. Hallelujah. Okay. Say, I've had people that I've pastored, man. You know, they they didn't they got behind on the car payment. They were hiding their car. They were hiding it, literally hiding it from the repo guy. When I found out, I said, what are you going to do? Get a big old, you know, big old maintainer, a big old uh, ditch digger, and dig a big old hole in the ground and put your car in there? It ain't, it's not going to help you if the repo guy's looking for your car to hide that car. You know why? Because however long it takes for them to find that car, it's going ching, 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 ching. ching. Amen? And they say, well, this is my car, and if I can't have it, I'm going to tear the trash out of it. Ching, 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 ching. Because what they're going to do when they finally get the car is they're going to sell it for what they can sell it for. But guess who is responsible for the remainder of the balance? that's not paid. You. So add repo charges on top of what you owed. Add, add, if they bought it and they need to wash it, add detail charges to it on top of what you owe. Amen. So you have the repo charges, you have the detail charges on it, and it gets really, really expensive if you try to hide the car from the bank. That's my car. Ain't nobody going to have it but me. You can't pay for the car, liquidate the car, sell the car, or take the keys to the banker and say, Here it is, I've turned it in voluntarily. It'll save you about probably at least $500 in repo charges, at least. You're going to have to pay for it. Are you awake? Hallelujah. Okay, so anyway, avoiding the problem doesn't make it better. You got to be a warrior when it comes to finances. You got to see. A, you got to look in. You got to look ahead and see where things are, and say, "Okay, you know what? I see a problem right here. I've got some time right now, and I'm going to liquidate. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to get ready for that. Amen. I'm going to fix it before it happens. And and the, but the best thing that you can do is a save. It's the best thing you can do because you are accumulating wealth for a period of time. And you are protecting yourself. It is a protection. Hallelujah. So. Boy, I I mean, there's a lot of shouting and screaming tonight. A lot of jumping and praising the Lord, man. No, no, no. And so if I do sell my my truck, don't feel sorry for me. Oh, poor pastor. No, man, I'm blessed. We're blessed. It's about being wise. You know? Well, if if I was really wise, i never bought it to begin with. <laughs> if I was really wise, <laughs> you know, and now I'm probably gonna lose ten grand if I sell the thing. That is, if I if I go to, you know, a friend of mine. If I sell it to just anybody, they'll sell, I'll uh, probably take a twenty thousand dollar hit. Okay, so praise the Lord. Cars are the worst and worst thing you can buy, man. Take it from your pastor. <laughs> it's the worst thing you can buy, man. Okay? But I love, I don't know, I just laugh. There's something wrong with me. I like cars. Okay? All right, shall we go on? Yeah, we'll go all right. All right. So, checking, savings, Low balance credit cards, right? Don't avoid the problem. Then make it better. Pay yourself. Very good. Verse 21. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. Isn't that awesome? If you follow after righteous mercy... You will find life, righteousness, and honor. It's important to obey God's word. It is I I don't care what people you know, they can put the front on and they can act like everything's wonderful for us, you know. We're doing great. See? That's a smoke screen for about what's about to happen. Because you cannot walk out of the will of God, disobeying the word of God and have righteousness. Life and honor. It's only when you and I do what's right, it's only when you and I live according to the Word of God, we live right, that we'll have righteousness and life and honor. We don't live right before God. Obey the Word of God. You're not going to have those. Amen? Verse 22. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. Say, a wise man? I mean, he can scale the wall of a city to bring it down. What is it saying? It's saying, by your wisdom, you and not gain wisdom, we will have the ability to conquer that which is evil. Brothers and sisters, everybody in here, at some point in your life, you will face obstacles in your life. And you will need to know how to overcome those obstacles. And the Bible gives you a principle in the Word of God that if you're a wise man, that means you'll have the ability to have a strategy to scale the wall, to overcome the obstacle, to overcome whatever is evil in your life and be victorious. Strategy is important. Wisdom is important in overcoming obstacles. Again, avoiding things do not, does not help. It's having a plan. Now, a good example, there's a Greek, one Greek man came up with a plan how to defeat Troy. And that plan was, let's build a Trojan horse. And let's put soldiers in the Trojan horse. And those people in Troy pulled that horse into the city and the soldiers, as you know the story, got out of that Trojan horse and Troy fell. It was destroyed quickly one night. All, brother, with the wisdom of that one Greek man, a whole city fell. You can see obstacles come down. Amen. You can see evil defeated in your life, problems overcome if you have the wisdom. Yeah, and every everything you face, whether you go to your job or whatever, everything you face in life, you've got obstacles. The obstacles is not your problem. It's a lack of wisdom in knowing how to deal with it, knowing how to scale that city, knowing how to overcome that obstacle. Praise the Lord. And if you've got wisdom, people will be willing to pay you money if you've got answers. To overcome the problems, amen. Remember I told you, I told you that story. Brother Dice told me about this man. They couldn't figure. Out, there was a problem, a breakdown, uh, and they couldn't figure out what the problem was. So they they called this man, you know, that knew a lot about this particular system, and he came in and uh, he moved a screw just about a half a turn, just a little turn of the screw, and he fixed the problem. And he sent him a bill. You know, it was like thousands and thousands of dollars for the bill. And so they asked the man. They said, "You're going to charge us thousands of dollars? I can't remember what it was exactly. The amount of thousands of dollars to turn a little screw?" He said, "No. It's like a dollar to turn the screw, but the other thousands of dollars for the knowledge to know which screw to turn." You don't get paid to turn the screw you get paid to know which screw to turn don't be a person always copping out all the time be a person that don't be a person always avoiding everything you don't get anywhere in life you are put on this earth to be a problem solver you know what your calling is your calling in life is what you're obsessed with Fixing. If you're you're the kind of person that out of order situations drive you crazy, your calling in life is to bring order to chaos. Whatever you have a passion for in life, amen, to fix, that's your calling, not your job. Your job is what you go to to get money for. Your vocation is your calling in life. That if you ever find out why you're here, why you're on the planet, your vocation, amen, your job will be fun to go to. What is it in your life that, that, that just you've got a passion for? That's your vocation. Amen. So you, you will be equipped to overcome the obstacles, to scale the city, to fix problems. People are looking for uh, individuals like that all the time. Wisdom. Amen. That's why some of you are managers. You started here. Now you're up here, right? Why are you a manager? Because you've got experience. You have knowledge. You know how to fix things. You know how to make things better. You know how to produce, create, right? Why are you here? Why are they willing to pay you the big money? Because what you got right here. Amen? Yeah. So a wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. It's powerful, man. I told you before we don't have. Well, I got a you know I got a marriage problem. Ah, no, you don't have a marriage problem. You got a wisdom problem. Oh, I got a finance problem. No, you don't have financial problems. You got a wisdom problem. Oh, I'm having problems at my job. My job's a problem. No, you don't have a job problem. You got a wisdom problem. And they might not be breaking down with you, but it's breaking down somewhere else. With me? Amen. There are answers in the Word of God. How many of y'all believe there's answers in the Word of God? There are. Man, God wants your life to be better, He wants it to be righteous and, and, and life and honor, man. Abundance. That's God's plan. Verse 23. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. Amen? Stop talking so much. Hallelujah? If we would learn to control our mouth, we'd be a lot better off in life. Problem is we can't control our mouth sometimes. Because it's just... Like James says, man, it's set on fire of hell. The only thing that control your tongue... You know how you know if you're full of the Holy Ghost? Is if you can control your tongue. Because only God, the Holy Ghost, only God can control that tongue. That's why when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you will speak with other tongues. Why did God choose that as a sign? Because if He's got control of your tongue, He's got control of the whole body. It's like the rudder on a ship. if you're having trouble with your tongue right now, God is not in control of the rest of you. Amen. So I'm just having I'm having problems with my mouth. I've got potty mouth. You don't have a mouth problem. You don't have enough of God in you. Amen. Spirit of God can control my mouth, control my tongue. You know, we need to pray, Lord, control my tongue. We already said it before. Pray it before you say it. Man, I, I want to tell you something. As a pastor, as a communicator of the Word of God, no wonder James says, don't many, be many teachers among you because you'll receive the greater judgment. What an encouragement coming from James. James is the book of wisdom in the New Testament. It parallels the book of Proverbs. And what an encouragement, right? For him to come to you and say, don't be, any, don't be many teachers because you're going to receive the greater judgment. Amen? Because when you're a communicator, you're always talking. And if you're speaking truth, that's a good thing. Another verse we'll get to in a minute we will talk about how truth, somebody's going to keep on talking the truth of God's Word. That's a good thing. But the more you talk, the more dangerous it is. Okay? So if you if you can if you can avoid talking, avoid talking. I want to give them peace of my mind. I want to tell them what I think. Yeah, well, you, you're not wise. Amen. Can I ask you a question? How many of y'all are fixing to say something or get in a conversation with somebody, and I mean it's got consequences with it? Okay. Have you ever been there? Do you think about it for like days and days and days before you do it? That's good. You shouldn't just say, boom, it comes to your mind, whew, run over there, start talking. If this guy, especially if you got consequence, I'm not talking about just talking general, like hey, it's 95 degrees today. That's okay. I'm talking about something that's going to have a consequence with it. You should think on it and pray on it for days before you ever say a word. Because if you don't, you're going to say the wrong thing. Okay? My wife will tell you, there are situations that go on within the church that I wrestle with for days. Sometimes months. Sometimes years. Huh, Christina? Years. before I ever address it. And that doesn't mean that I'm wise. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you have to avoid speaking your mind without thinking about it over a period of time and praying about it. Because you'll be amazed how God can change all of that. Amen? change what you were going to say. Think, oh, thank God. Boy, thank you, Jesus, that I didn't say that. You know? You ever been there? Okay. Yeah. And as a communicator of God's Word, I appreciate your patience with me because I am susceptible to making mistakes because the more I'm up here, the more I speak. Just That's part of it. So I just pray you be patient with me. Okay? Some things I say, it, it, you know, it may hurt you. Uh, it may come across like that in a hurtful way. That's not where I'm coming from, but that's the way you take it. You know what I'm saying? And I, I know that. And I that that's my fault, not yours. But I need you to be a little bit patient with me to understand I'm a human being. Okay? So I'm, I'm willing, if I say something that hurts you, I want you to come and say, Pastor, that hurt me. Oh, man, you I want to tell you something. I'll apologize in a heartbeat. I sure will. Okay. All right. I have no problem apologizing for something that I said. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Now, if it's the truth, I'll just look at you and say it's the truth. Go on. No, I'm just kidding. See, I got myself in trouble again, man. Dude. I should have just said it's the truth. I should have just I shouldn't have added go on, should I? But I did, man. Hmm. Amen. Alright. Look at you and say, how can I stay out of trouble? Control your mouth. You got it. You got it. Verse 24. Okay, proudy and haughty scorner. Who's scorner? He's the mocker. He mocks the word of God. He mocks the ways of God. Amen. He's full of himself, man. He's full of pride. You can't tell scorner anything. He'll laugh at you. He'll mock it. I'm talking about the word of God, man. That's the scorner. They're proud. They're so full of themselves. Look at your neighbor and tell them they're just full of it. And the it is themselves. They're full of themselves, man. They're prideful. They're haughty. Amen? They deal in proud wrath. Okay? right? Pride. Haughty. Mockers of the things of God. You can't correct them. Right? They won't listen. They deal in wrathful pride. You know what that is? I'll explain it to you is that somebody's got to pay for my pain. When ultimately, brothers and sisters, they got themselves in their own problems. But you see, they don't want to recognize that they got themselves in their problem. They want to point the finger at somebody else. So they got themselves in this problem because they didn't obey the Word of God. And so now we got some consequence. Wrathful pride is, it wasn't me, it was somebody else. And I'm going to make them pay for my pain. I know how people tick. Not just spiritually, but I know how they tick. I know how people think. And I pastored for over 20 something years, this one church, and I know how people think. And I know some of the reasons why some people make the decisions that they do is because somebody's got to pay for my pain. (laughs) Wrathful pride. Wouldn't it be better just to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and say, God, it's me. It's me, O God. It's me, O God, standing in the need of prayer. Lord, where have I missed Your will? What have I done to create this problem? Amen. Listen to the Word of God. Don't be full of yourself. Okay, what time is it? Nine. Verse 25. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Okay. Got somebody? They desire. How many of y'all have desires? Okay, everybody does. I have desire. you got desire. Everybody has desires, right? Okay. But the slothful person desires. They see things they want, but they're not willing to labor for it. And and so what happens is this person that won't labor, it's always wanting something. What they do is they go through life and they see what everybody else has. And it kills them, like the Bible said. It kills them because they can't have it. Because they won't work for it. It creates an emotional breakdown for them. They get emotionally depressed because they see something else that somebody else has had and they want it, but they're not willing to do what it takes to get there. And so nobody here like that, right? Where you're standing around all day looking at what everybody else has and then looking at what you don't have. He's like, ah, envy just, yeah. That's a slothful person. And a diligent person doesn't have time. They're too busy working. They're too busy laboring. They're too busy producing to try to make it happen instead of looking at what everybody else has and be full of envy and depression and discouragement because they don't have it. And don't get that mindset. Woo, are you with me? Man. God help me! Well, I see, I hear about a pastor get being successful. So, why him? Why he, why, he, why is he successful? You know, well, maybe he worked harder than I did. Okay, maybe he's a better pastor than I. If you're with me here, we have to we have to get this emotional depression, discouragement thing out of us. And say, you know what I got to do? I got to do what it takes to make it happen for myself. Hallelujah. I'm not going to sit around and let it work on me emotionally and make it break me down and make me mad and full of envy. No, if they can do it, I can do it. It's a, America. This is America. Praise the Lord. My father and mother-in-law came from Mexico. Sister Christina's is Hispanic. I don't know if you know that. But she is. And I tell some people they can't believe that she's Hispanic. I said, yeah. she starts talking. Because she starts talking Spanish one day. You go, she's Hispanic? I said, yeah. Their brother, David Huff. Say, sure? His, she, she's Hispanic? I said, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know it. But I, what I'm saying is this. is that It do not matter what nation you're from. You live in America now. He picked up a paintbrush and became a master painter. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how much money they got, but they got more than all of you probably put together, with the exception of maybe one. Okay, I'm just telling you. And it was because of hard work, and because they saved, and they saved, and they saved. Amen. I can tell you today they don't owe a dime to anybody. Never never even had a credit card, if you can imagine that. Paid cash for they pay cash for their cars. With me? Built homes? Are you here? So, you know, we live in America, and I'm not putting down Mexico, I just you know, come on. I'm married to a Hispanic woman here. I'm not prejudiced. That man's a prejudiced man, really. Oh, I'm I'm pastoring a multicultural church. How can I be prejudiced? Brother Edmunds told me the other day. He said you pastor a multicultural church. He said that brings major challenges to you. And I said I know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Amen. Brother Dice used to say every time. A Hispanic person saw sister Christina walk in on my arm in their mind they say that man's not prejudiced. but until they see her he said they're gonna think your prejudice that's right so here she is her (laughs) body hallelujah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) that's right right but they—they just hard workers in America. You can do it, man. You can do it. You'll sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Why you don't have somebody else does? Get out there and make it happen. You know. And I would say, why why work for somebody else and make them rich? Why don't you start your own business? Because you you can do the same thing right now. Where you, what you're doing at work right now, you can do on your own. Your own business, man. You could. But you're scared. You're scared. Praise the Lord. Now don't come up here and say, okay, Pastor, you told me to start my own business and if it fails, it's your fault. You're not putting (laughs) it on me. Okay? It's not on me. You can't blame me for everything. I know you want to blame me for everything, but you can't blame me for everything. It does have its challenges. Okay? But that slothful person, they desire it, but they won't do anything to make it happen. Okay, are you with me? You're getting tired? I know. Mickey, we cut it in half. Two parts. Part two now. I'm glad. But you think about the sloth. You know, a sloth? Have you ever seen a sloth? Who cares, right? Who cares? We don't care, Pastor. Who cares about a sloth? Who wants to know about a sloth? Anybody want to know about a sloth? You want to, okay. As long as I got. Ten percent. I'm going to tell you. Sloth. Sloth hangs upside down in the trees. Amen. It does. It's a tropical animal. It hangs upside down in the trees. You know, that's probably where, where he gets his perspective on life. It's always upside down. Just the opposite of what it should be. Okay. I'm, you ever been around people like that? Their perspective on life, just the opposite. I mean, everything is just the opposite of what it should be. And that's that's the sloth. A sloth walks, it takes him sixty seconds, a whole minute, to get ten feet. Now, that's about ten feet. It takes a sloth. Y'all want to see? We want to time it. Ten feet in a whole minute. He, he he can put real estate behind him, man. He can cut he, he walks about one ninth of a mile per hour. One ninth of a he don't even walk a mile an hour. One ninth of a mile per hour. He is slow. And he sleeps twenty two hours a day. Twenty two hours a day. He's so passive, He's untrainable. He loves comfort over growth. So in life, you you and I have to make a decision. Comfort or growth? Comfort or growth? And the sloth is all about comfort and no growth. Say praise the Lord. And it applies to everything: your spiritual life, your physical life, your emotional life, everything. How are you going to approach it? You going to be like the sloth, untrainable? There's some people so passive, man, you can't train them. Anyway, Brother Michael, you got any employees like that that move about a ninth, a ninth of a mile an hour, and about ten feet a minute? sleep upside down trees <laughs> sleep 22 hours a day untrainable praise the lord just so what happens then that that desire to have and not willing to to pay the price to make it happen that negative emotion brother that they carry with them or sister it kills them. It eats them up, man. Okay, Amen. So be diligent. Twenty-six. He coveteth greedy. He coveteth greedily all the day long. We're talking about the sloth. But the righteous giveth and spareth not. So the slothful persons. <coughs> All day long coveting, all day long, wanting more, all day long, got the handout. So some people that their whole life is got the handout. Their whole life. But the Bible tells us the righteous giveth and spareth not. See, characteristic of the sloth is he wants, has a desire, he won't make it happen. And on top of that, is he goes through life just wanting, 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 coveting all day long. Always has the hands out, but never giving. But the Bible says the righteous are givers. So you know when you're wealthy, not based on riches what you buy, you'll know when you're wealthy when you don't only cover your needs individually and your family's needs, but you're able to help somebody else's needs. That's a mark of being wealthy is being able to help other people, right? That's why you know, tithing is tithing is required by the Lord. That's what you bring, it belongs to him anyway. But that's why offerings are so important. Because that's above your tithe. That's really when you start giving. When you and I start giving, it's really when we give above our tithe and offerings. And the righteous are constantly with not with their hands out, the righteous are constantly looking to give. And you cannot outgive the Lord. It is impossible to outgive the Lord the Lord. Or you start with the tithes, but I was always taught you're really not giving until you go above that. Because the tithe is something that belongs to God anyway. Okay, say amen. That's the mark of the righteous person. They're givers. Hallelujah. Well, you know, so I don't have anything to give. Start with giving a dollar. Start helping somebody else. Watch what God does for you. Amen. Don't be a greedy coveter. Be a righteous giver. And the Bible says spares not. So it doesn't only support his family, but he helps other people in life. Say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's why, brothers and sisters, it's such a wonderful opportunity. I showed you those things going over in Zambia and in Taiwan. We it's necessity that we as a church don't just put funds into this work here. It is a necessity that we give to the missions, to Taiwan, to Zambia. It's a necessity, brothers and sisters. It'll make this church healthy. It'll make you... Praise God. You won't bite and devour each other. You give out. Give out. Verse 27, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when He bringeth it with a wicked mind? What is he talking about? This we got somebody here that's a pretender. Okay. They pretend to be righteous. They pretend to be Christians. So they they give here and they give here and it's sacrifice or whatever. But it's hypocrisy. They don't live according to the word of God, but they want to pretend that they do. They act like they're a Christian. A hypocrite, a hypocrite is, a, is an actor. It's somebody that acts like something that they're not. And God says when a wicked person comes and that wicked person acts like, you know, well, they're being sacrificial and they're giving. I'm sacrificial am I giving. And their life, their mind's not right. Their heart's not right with God. God says that's an abomination to him. In Isaiah chapter 1, Israel, we talked about this many times. Israel bring all their sacrifices. We preached on this even Sunday morning. They bring their sacrifice to God, but they wouldn't bring themselves. Their mind was alienated, man. They were off in outer space somewhere, you know. Their heart wasn't with God. They weren't living for the Lord. I'm going to say it again. They weren't living for the Lord. But they thought the ritual and the ceremony of going to church and giving a little sacrifice here and there, you know, they acted like, pretended like they were righteous. And God said, it's an abomination to me. Amen. God wants our heart. He wants your life. Not pretenders. There's pretenders. Yeah. People talk all day long about how they're Christians, but they don't live it. Amen. Amen. So what do we have here? The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when He bringeth it with a wicked mind? With a wicked mind. What does that mean? Is that you got some people, brothers and sisters, they absolutely refuse to surrender to God. But they think, well, just going to church. That's all I need to do. Bring the offering. But they'll never surrender to God. A false witness shall perish, but the man that heareth speaketh constantly. That means this person is constantly talking truth. This is a positive thing when he says uh, that he's constantly uh, talking. But the man that what heareth speaketh constantly. He said there's some people that hear and they constantly speak the truth. That's what it means. Okay, Uh, You have the False witness is going to perish. The liars, those that don't speak the truth all the time, are going to perish. Verse 29. I told you a little bit about this one Sunday night when we preached Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, a wicked man, I didn't preach it to you because I told you it's going to be in this proverb, but a, a wicked man, say, a wicked man hardeneth his face. But as for the upright, he directeth his way." Wow. What God is saying is this, is that your face and my face declare us. Hard. If you've got a hard face, a hard brow, a frown, a scowl. Amen? That's the face of the sinner. You don't have to be a prophet or a pastor to know when somebody is about to backslide. You just look at their face over a period of time. And when they come to the house of God, if they've got a scowl on their face or frown on their face, their face is hard, that is the face of a sinner. What they're saying is, I refuse to change. And that word of God goes forth and it keeps going forth, but they keep hardening their face against the word of God. And they're saying, I refuse to change. That's the face of the sinner. Hard faced. The face of the holy. The face of the humble. Doesn't mean sometimes you know you're going to have a face of intensity, right? But there's a difference between hard being hard-faced, hard-hearted. The face of the humble, or the face of the holy, or the face of the saint, is a face that is always looking towards God. That recognizes their need for the Lord and direction in, in their life from the Lord. Amen. That's the face of the humble. Don't harden your face toward the things of God? Amen? Keep a, keep a tender heart when it comes to the things of God. When, I don't want you to lift your hand, but when was the last time you could cry in the presence of God? When was the last time that you got on your face in prayer and when you did, your, your heart was so tender that tears could flow? When was the last time you heard the word of God preached and it so touched your heart that tears begin to come down your face? Are we so hardened now toward the things of God that now it can be seen in our face? We should. We should. If we're Christians, we should be able to soften our face. Hallelujah. We should have a face that's willing. And God says, if you're that kind of a person, He says, I will direct your path. He said, I will direct your life. In contrast, He won't direct somebody that hardens their face. He won't give them direction anymore. Amen? So you keep looking toward God. You keep a soft face and a soft heart toward the things of God. And God promises you in this verse that He will direct your path. He'll tell you what to do. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Amen. Man, there's something that gets a hold of people, man. It's called pride ultimately. That's the problem that uh, the prophet Ezekiel was dealing with, you know. God told him, he said, man, they're going to harden their head, their face, God said, I made your your head harder than theirs. I made your head like a flint, you know. It's sad, isn't it, that people can get to that place in their life when they come to church with a scowl on their face. Just, yeah, okay, yeah, it won't be long. I'm telling you as your pastor, it won't be long. You'll be a goner. And there's nothing I can do. I can preach the Word of God to you. I can pray for you. I can love you. I could spank you, (laughs) but I promise you it's not going to make one bit of difference. Because you tough boy, you big man. Yeah. Yeah, you big man, all right. My wife says, I got some sisters in the church that are tougher than those weenies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They talk a big talk, you know. Yeah. Right, huh, sister Christina? That's the right that's the truth. <laughs> the only thing my wife can't handle is, is a man that, that won't live for God. And don't care what their history is, what their background is. She says, I got sisters that are tougher than they are. Amen. Say praise the Lord. Well, what happened to them? They got hard, And I've seen it, man. I've watched it. Okay? And I'm coming to a close. But you remember that old Bible study chart that we have? It's called Light for Living. Bible study chart. You ever saw, In if you flip the pages, you'll see in there, when there's an eclipse? An eclipse of the soul. A spiritual eclipse. When there was a time when the light of God's glory was seen in the face of that individual... And man, they had their face facing heaven and the glory of God shined upon it. And they walked in the light. And then all of a sudden, they got this change in their countenance. An eclipse of the soul, an eclipse in their spirit. Darkness came. Instead of looking toward heaven with the glow of God upon their face, seeking His direction, Now, they're dark. Their face is dark. And they roam with the animals of the night. As we preached last Wednesday, they now are a part of the congregation of the dead because they have wandered away from the Lord. You can see it happen. You can watch as eclipse slowly begins to take place in a person's life where once they had the glory of God, they were humble, they looked to God. And you could see the glory of God on them. But now, darkness. It's a spiritual eclipse of the soul. And all of a sudden, brothers and sisters, when that happens, that's when the creatures of the night begin to come out. When you walk into your kitchen, some of you, and it's at night, and you flip the light on, all the little creatures of the night run, (laughs) run into the corners and the cracks and behind, amen? Amen? But when a person has a spiritual eclipse of the soul, this darkness comes upon their face and they begin to roam with the creatures of the night. What they need is the light to be turned back on again. And when the light comes on, all those creatures of the night begin to flee out of their life. You can be restored. If you had a spiritual eclipse in your life, you've gone from light to darkness. You can be restored. The glory of God can be seen upon your face again. You just ask God, God, I, I, I know that's me. You say, I know that's me, God. And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be hard in my face. I want you to continue to direct my life. Hallelujah. And if you'll do that, that's what God wants. That's what He wants. He'll smile on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How you know, dangerous is it to have a spiritual eclipse? Yeah, y'all, y'all remember that chart? Y'all seen that chart? Light for living? Yeah. That's a, an amazing Bible study. How many of y'all walking as people of the light right now? And the glory of God is on your face. How many of y'all had a spiritual eclipse and darkness has come? Okay. Let me ask that again. I yeah. That's, I don't know if you're the first question or the last one, but anyway. No, oh, God help me. I can have it too, man. I can. I've been there. Been there? Just all full of yeah, you know, flesh and upset and angry and Yeah. You gotta turn your face back toward God. Yeah, see, that's what you do. You turn your face back toward God. God will restore you. He'll put the glory back. He can do it. Mm, man, I still see that picture. You see that picture, brother? I still f- see that picture. That artist, they did a good job. And They depicted that person looking to the glory and the light shining on him. And then that person overcome with darkness. Man, the, You can see the eyes and the face, man, in that picture. I'm thankful tonight. That that could be me. That could be me. It could be you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So a wicked man hardeneth his face, but as for the upright, he directeth his ways. Hallelujah. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. How many of y'all know that? You fight God. You're, you're you're fighting a losing battle. You're fighting a losing battle. You, you know it may may seem like it's going okay for a little while, but ultimately failure's coming. You can try to, you know, outsmart God. Think you're smarter than His Word. But ultimately failure's coming. I don't know anybody here tonight that wants to fail. You wouldn't be here tonight if you wanted to fail. Okay? So, I think it goes with the other verse. That hard face, counsel against God, no, it won't ever work. Let's Let's just get in alignment with the Lord. Let's get in harmony with God. Hallelujah. Verse 31, last verse. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. Right? He's my security. He's your security. Would you stand? I know you're tired. Thank you. He's your security. He's my security. This shows you the sovereignty of God over war. The power of war. The implements of war. He's in control. Our security is of God. It's not in horses. So we can go through life trusting in ourselves. you know, we're self-made men, or self-made women. No, we're not. <laughs> we depend on the Lord, Amen. right? So I told y'all that. I tell you that story. I repeat it in this one. The boss walked in, all arrogant, prideful, you know. sat down at the table of one of his employees, and uh, the boss started. You know, the table manners were table table manners were horrible, and. He started talking about, I'm a self-made man. And the, the child of the employee looked at him and said, well, why did you make yourself like that? That's a problem we got. That we're a self-made man. did doesn't look very well. When you trust God, He's your security. He's your safety. Not horses. We're not trusting in horses. We're trusting in God. We're not trusting in self. We're trusting in God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I pray this has been a a blessing to you. Preach to you, I don't know, about 12, 12, 13 verses. 13 different messages tonight. And uh, so God may God get the glory. I wish I, personally, when I say wish, if I wished I would. I say, I wish I could do better. Teach it to you better. And I mean that. But if I wished it, I would do it. I'm going to stop wishing, I'm going to start getting better. Hallelujah. So may the Lord bless you real good. I love each and every one of you. Look at you and say, I love you. Amen. Now you're gonna now you're gonna make some changes. You're gonna make some changes spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. I'm gonna make some changes too, because I want to be successful in life. I want to be good. I want to be godly. May the Lord bless you. Father, we just pray your blessing upon your people tonight. We ask God that you would extend your hand, strength and power, anointing. Bless them. Bless their families. Bless their homes. Fill their life with peace. Prosperity. As we seek to glorify and we seek to honor you and obey your word. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You dismiss. Love y'all. Have a good night.